This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Previously on Colors. The British royal family's racism scandal. Kahindi Andrews is the author of The New Age of Empire. Andrews is a professor of black studies at the Birmingham City University. And he says Meghan Markle's experience was not unique. And the real issue is, like, what does the monarchy mean? What does it represent? And, you know, for what it represents is really in popular culture, like today, a very direct connection to the British Empire, to colonialism, to this kind of image of whiteness. I mean, that is what the royal family does. So it shouldn't really be surprising um, that, that it was that, it, that she had a racist, racist experience while part of the family. Coming up in this episode of Colors... This is probably going to shock you. I remember when I first started uh, uh, my law practice, I and I would have people say to me, you, you look like an Indian. Are, are you an Indian? And yeah. I didn't know you, you people were still around. His name is John Echo Hawk. He's a member of the Pawnee community in Oklahoma. He's also executive director of the Native American Rights Fund. I used to hear it myself. I'll be darned. No, I and never, today, today, never occurred to me. I, today, I still have Indian people tell me that, that same story. That is amazing. That is really incredible. That's the, that's the headline of the that is. whole podcast. That's coming up in this episode of Colors. Simmering racial tensions. Segregation now and tomorrow and forever. Fighting injustice. I have a dream. Conflict looming. Brutality exposed. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. The search for solutions starts here. From WTOP in Washington, D.C. This is Colors, a dialogue on race in America. Check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. I'm Chris Core and I'm white. I'm JJ Green and I'm black. And this is Colors. Chris, today we have a guest someone that we've been trying to book for a very long time. And I'm so pleased that uh, Mr. John Echohawk is joining us. He's a member of the Pawnee Tribe, and he's the executive director of the Native American Rights Fund. And he's been with NARF, that's the nickname or the acronym, since its inception in 1970, and he's been their executive director since 1977, and he has been recognized as one of the 100 most influential lawyers in America by the National Law Journal. So, Mr. Echo Hawk, thank you for joining us today. Glad to be invited. Sir, I'd like to start off by asking a question, but first I want to read something, uh, a compilation of research and some things I saw on your website. Native Americans have been subjected to countless injustices by Europe- since European settlers arrived here. Since the early 1800s, the federal government has imposed itself as the trustee for tribal lands and resources. This trust responsibility obligates the federal government to ensure that tribes receive just compensation for any use or development of their resources. And according to its own statistics, the government the government's statistics, it presently holds about $5 billion in trust funds for tribes and individual Indians. The government holds about 3,300 trust accounts for 
over 250 tribes. Now, the current federal policy of tribal self-determination has led the Congress to allow tribes more control over their land, but this does not necessarily address or make up for centuries of federal inability or unwillingness to properly account for and manage the billions of dollars of tribal trust funds and assets. Now, that's a heavy question to start with, but I'd like to ask, what is it? Uh, what is the situation now? Where does it stand? Well, this was uh, an issue that we addressed in the uh, what they call the Cobell litigation. It was enforcing uh, the government's trust responsibility to properly account for all of those funds uh, held by the federal government as trustee for tribes and individual Indians. And uh, we were uh, able to, uh, after many, many years of litigation, finally able to uh, settle those cases uh, during the uh, Obama administration, thanks to the support of that administration for ending the litigation, starting negotiations, and uh, resolving that through uh, uh, out-of-court settlements uh, that resulted in billion going to the uh, individual Indian uh, account holders and uh, uh, nearly 3 billion going out to uh, tribes with with those trust accounts. Mr. Echohawk, I'd like to ask if you would uh, answer, has enough been done and what would be enough to fix the injustices of the past? Well, part of that uh, settlement was uh, the creation of what they called the Trust Reform Commission, and that was to uh, make that system better so it worked properly and that these issues would not ever happen again. And that uh, 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 trust reform uh, process is still underway, and uh, we continue to monitor that. Uh, This podcast we do is about racism and uh, bigotry and prejudice that exists and the prejudice and discrimination against Native Americans precedes uh, slavery in this country. It goes back (laughs) to before it was a country. Um, And I, I, I I wonder at this point, um, How are we who are white or, in J.J.'s case, black, how are we viewed by Native Americans? Favorably, unfavorably, filled with, I, I don't know, you'd have every right to hate us if you, if you did. How are we viewed? Well, these uh, issues presented by uh, First Contact beginning in uh, 1492, uh, you know, have, have continued all that time and continue today. And uh, every... Uh, generation of, uh, of uh, Native peoples has to uh, deal with those conflicts in the best way we can. And uh, in uh, uh, recent years, uh, through a lot of the work that we've done here at the Native American Rights Fund, we've been able to address many of those, those issues through the, through the legal system, through the political system, where uh, things have improved. But again, uh, these issues still come up, and we still uh, all work as best we can to uh, to resolve them, and we're uh, really uh, greatly enthused uh, uh, today with the uh, 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 advent of the uh, uh, administration of uh, 
the Interior Department by Deb Holland, the uh, first Native American ever uh, uh, to hold that office and the first Native American ever to be in the president's cabinet. And uh, of course, Deb Holland is, uh, uh, she's an attorney as well. And she's very well versed on all of these issues. Uh, unlike uh, any other Secretary of Interior we've ever had in the past, that department is the one department that uh, uh, we deal with most as, uh, as tribes. And we're really looking forward to uh, uh, working with uh, Secretary Holland. Uh, we'll think, we think we'll uh, make even uh, greater progress in resolving many of these outstanding issues. Let me bring up a couple of things then. You started with 1492. Um, every October, we have a national holiday called Columbus Day. How does that make you feel? Well, I think, as, as you probably know, uh, uh, that's been controversial among uh, Native American people. And uh, we've, uh, uh, you know, uh, tried to educate everybody how Columbus did not discover America. We were here first. We've always been here. We're still here. And we've tried to convert that over to what's uh, what we call Indigenous Peoples Day. And that's been uh, recognized in many places across this country. All right. Then what about in November? We have a national holiday called Thanksgiving. And it allegedly goes back to a time when the Native Americans and the uh, settlers from Europe got together and uh, had a meal and, and gave thanks and seemingly were friendly. Is that more myth or is that a reality? And, and how is it celebrated in Native American, um, you know, wherever Native Americans are? Well, it's it's more uh, more myth than, than reality, because uh, when you, uh, you know, look at the history of what happened around that time there in New England, and of course, there was uh, a lot of uh, atrocities going on against our tribes, and they ended up losing uh, just about all of their land and things, lots of wars and things. It was really kind of kind of a bad time, and all that happened despite uh, the efforts by uh, uh, those uh, indigenous peoples back then to try to help the settlers uh, along the way, but uh, they, you know, the, the tribes basically then got taken advantage of, and like I said, uh, dispossessed. So uh, it's it's a, a time that uh, uh, we as Native American uh, people uh, understand that, uh, you know, it's not exactly accurate. And uh, we, we hope that the general public understands that as well. There may have been some good times when that happened, when we tried to be friendly with, uh, with the settlers, but uh, that wasn't always the case. I, I think this is a great history lesson that we have going on here. And I am very, very much interested in, in learning as much of this as I can. But I want to ask, in the limited time, we have uh, a couple of questions um, about today. And uh, I sort of asked this a little earlier, but I don't think you answered it. Um, perhaps my question was a little too long. Do you think reparations is necessary um, beyond what's been done so far? to make up for um, the injustices and the thievery that's been perpetrated against Native Americans, uh, taking their land and appropriation of culture, et cetera? Well, we, like I said, continue to work on those issues today. Uh, we have, uh, 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 you know, continue to uh, address the priority set for us by our uh, uh, board of directors, which is composed of uh, native leaders from around the country. And we continue to address, in our view, the most important issues today, and that is protection of our tribal sovereignty. We have treaties with the federal government. We're, we're uh, nations, and we have this uh, 
government to government relationship with the federal government. So we have to protect that sovereignty. That's the most important thing. Second of all, we've got to protect our homelands, the lands we have left and try to get back as many of those lands as we can. And that continues to be a priority here uh, in our work and across the country. And finally, uh, protection of our human rights. As native people, we have our own cultures and religions. Those are entitled to respect and we continue to work on those issues as well. So those issues are the most important issues and you might call those reparations, but those are the most three most important issues to our Native That's, American. Yeah, and, and it's it's about that issue of respect that I'm, I'd like to ask this next question. So please bear with me, Mr. Echohawk. Um, there has been an awakening in, uh, in America of the use of, and I'm going to use the word Indian, and, and we can go, I can say Native America, but I'll, for purposes of this, I'll say Indian names uh, for sports teams. As an example, um, the Washington Redskins are going not going to be called that anymore. And good, because it was from the beginning, a dumb name. Uh, the Cleveland Indians are not going to call themselves that anymore. I don't know what they're going to call themselves. Uh, but when I just made a list of things named after Native Americans, various tribes, various um Places in the country, but this is just some. The Chiefs, the Blackhawks, the Braves, the Seminoles, those are all sports teams. The Jeep Cherokee, Sioux City, Iowa, the Warriors, Pontiac, Michigan, Comanche, Iowa, Chippewa Falls, Indian Rocks, Florida, Seneca, New York, Wapalo County, Iowa, Winnebago Trailers, Apache Helicopters. There are 26 states in the country, the majority that the name of the state goes back to some Indian word. So my question is, and I mean this with all due respect, where exactly is the line? I can see that Redskins is offensive. Is calling the uh, hockey team in Chicago the Blackhawks or the uh, team at Florida State the Seminoles? Is that offensive? Is the Jeep Cherokee offensive? You know, where is that line between it being offensive and being an honor? Well, these, uh, as you might, uh, might guess, are issues that are being addressed by the, by the affected tribes, and uh, they're uh, uh, being uh, uh, corrected and changed as, as much as possible. And uh, uh, it's really kind of, uh, in a way, an educational process about our people where we haven't disappeared. We're still here. So many people think that uh, uh, you know, we're extinct now and we don't exist. And as I just mentioned, we are sovereign governments. We are still here. Uh, we have control of our of our own uh, resources and our own images. And when they're misused like that in racist ways, well, is that that's what I'm asking? Is this so? Is calling because you, you're you're a very good lawyer because you're you're but you're you're not answering the question as I would like to have it answered. Is it offensive to you personally, just you, that a team a hockey team in Chicago is called the Blackhawks? or that there is an automobile called the Jeep Cherokee? Just, I'm just curious, because I'm trying to really understand this. Uh, I support whatever the tribes involved in those issues want to do about that, because that is their sovereign right. And whatever those tribes want to do about that, I support. Mister, well, H- If it's something like Indian Rocks, Florida, which is a city right up the coast from where I am, that, that name's no tribe is is that a name that should be changed uh well it depends on the uh the tribes in that area Hmm. and of course as you know all of this land used to be our land 
mm -hmm. uh, what's happening today in more and more places across the country is uh, there's always uh, a land acknowledgement uh, by people in, 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 in high places and in, in meetings that happen where they start these meetings by acknowledging the land that they're on and uh, who that uh, originally belonged to and how it needs to be respected. And those are the tribes then that uh, would uh, uh, have uh, uh, the right to talk about and uh, uh, endorse or criticize whatever names are in that area. Again, it's a sovereignty issue, tribal sovereignty. Each tribe decides these issues for itself. Mm. Mr. Echohawk, um, I would like to ask, um uh, similar but different question uh, about this awakening that Chris mentioned that's going on in the U.S. that started in uh, last year on Memorial Day when George Floyd died in Minneapolis um, on the street there with a, a police officer's, a white police officer's knee on his neck. Um, the question I'd like to ask is, um, how do you view this so-called awakening? that the country is going through right now? Well, I, I think it's, uh, it's about time, uh, you know, that awakening is really, uh, uh, you know, address the uh, uh, issue that uh, uh, this country is really kind of founded on and in, in many ways, and that was uh, slavery and, uh, you know, bringing those issues out and educating people about those issues and how they're, how they're, they're still ongoing in many ways uh, from the uh, Native American perspective. Uh, uh, you know, another one of the original sins was the fact that we were dispossessed of almost all of our lands and our cultures were suppressed. And, you know, we like I said, had all these uh, issues over the years and, you know, we've tried to uh, uh, do what we could. At least we got our uh, sovereignty respected because we are recognized in the United States Constitution as uh, as sovereign governments, just like the foreign nations and the states and the federal government has to deal with us as sovereign nations. And even though they try to do away with that from time to time through various laws, uh, we have uh, basically enforced our treaty rights. And these days uh, they're more and more recognized, but still a lot of people do not understand that. So we think it's a real good opportunity for us then to uh, educate the American public about the fact we're still here and we're sovereign nations and we uh, control our own destiny. And through uh, uh, programs like uh, you're having right now, uh, we hope to educate the, the American public about that because when you come down to it, that's the biggest issue that we have, the biggest problem we have. Most people do not understand tribes and tribal sovereignty. Can you, can you tell me where in the Constitution it is? I'm holding the Constitution in my hand. I'd be curious to see how it's phrased. It's uh, under, uh, under Article 1, dealing with the powers of Congress, and they have authority to deal with uh, the foreign nations, the states, and the Indian tribes. Okay, I've, I'm I'm looking it up. It'll take me a second here. While you're looking, ahead, JJ, and I'll, I'll I'll let you know. While, while you're looking that up, this is an education process. And like I said earlier, I'm I'm really grateful for for this history lesson as an African American uh, who has benefited from this so-called awakening that the rest of the country or others in this country are going through, who have been oblivious to racism for their entire lives, it seems. Um, one of the things that I'd like to do, and I need to ask your permission to do this first, but um, I need to ask if it's okay for me to ask you to explain where your name came from, because I heard as a child that often 
the last name of a Native American was given based on something that took place on the day that child was born. Is that wrong? Uh, well, it, they're given in, in different ways, but that's 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 one of the ways that it happened. Uh, the way my family name happened uh, goes way back to uh, uh, my ancestors and one in particular who uh, uh, got his Indian name. And when it's uh, translated, it uh, it's translated into Echo Hawk. But uh, that's kind of the uh, short version of uh, of why uh, he got the name, and that is that uh, he was he was such a uh, such a great man, such a great leader, such a great warrior that. Uh, all of his deeds were echoed ah. across the land. Uh-huh. And so uh, uh, that's the way they said, okay, well, let's call him Echo Hawk. Well, let me just say, I want to make this very clear to you, Mr. Echo Hawk, that I am extremely honored, and we both are, and we speak to you in reverence today. Um, we ask these questions out of respect and reverence for you and all of the Native Americans and the Native American history and culture that blankets our land, this land that we all live in, which was the land of the Native Americans before any of us got here. But uh, I just want to make sure that that's clear to you, that this is being all being done today out of uh, reverence and respect for for you. Well, and, and, and out of ignorance on our part to try to, to try to understand it better, right? Yes, and, I, and I, like I said, I certainly appreciate that. Uh, I take advantage of every opportunity to uh, educate uh, people about Native Americans. You know, it's it's funny because you've. I, let me ask you something, JG. Do you um, does it trouble you to say uh, Indian with Mister Echo Hawk? I, I, and maybe this is where I don't. I, this is why I ask all those questions about names. Is that you've just used the word Indian, Mister Echo Hawk? And I have been. I wrote down very big on a piece of paper, Native Americans, so I wouldn't slip and say Indian. So <clears throat> calling American Indians Indians uh, is not offensive. Is that correct? Uh, well, I recognize that different people uh, use, uh, you know, different names to describe us. And uh, I, I recognize all of that, but they just need to understand uh, uh, what they're doing. And, of course, uh, uh, as you probably know, uh, you know, the reason they called us Indians is because uh, Columbus yeah. thought he was in India. And of course, <laughs> exactly. <it wasn't. laughs> exactly. So, yeah, listen, you know, so, so adaptation, American Indians, I know then it started that way. And then, yeah. you know, it's still uh, uh, not exactly right. And we just, you know, kind of prefer the names of our own tribes. Or if you have to group us together, then we're basically uh, uh, people native to uh, to America, native to this land. And uh, yeah. that, that's kind of why our, our leaders decide to call our organization the Native American Rights Fund. Yeah. So here is in uh, I think I found the part you're talking about in the Constitution. And uh, it I don't know what it means. Well, I do know what it means, but I, I don't know if it's exactly what I thought it was going to say. It's in Section 8, Article 1, Section 8, that Congress will have the power to regulate commerce with foreign nations and among the several states and with the Indian tribes. Is that the extent of it? Yes. Uh-huh. And that gives that, uh, uh, the well, basis. Gives, that, gives con- that gives Congress the ability to regulate. Right. Indian and that tribes, was done- which doesn't sound like that's recognition. Exactly. That sounds like that's uh, declaring that they're the overseers. 
Well, that was uh, done through treaties. Well, I, I again, I, I just it's a it's an unusual. I I expected it to say something a little more. I don't know, healing than that. That sounds to me like, well, Congress got the right to tell the Native Americans what to do. That's kind of how I read that. I may not have been what it intended, but that's what it sounds like to me. Well, it was carried out by treaties, a treaty relationship. Yeah. You know, and that was that was based upon the fact that, uh, you know, for the 300 and something years between 1492 and 1787, when the Constitution was adopted, uh, the various uh, European nations came to understand that uh, our people were, were uh, sovereigns. We had the power to make war. Uh, they knew we were native nations. And so they started making treaties with us. And this was a practice then that was uh, understood and recognized and uh, adopted by the United States of America in 1787 through that provision. Before we go, um, I would like to ask you, uh, in keeping with what we do on this program, the objective here is solutions and education, obviously. Um, what is it that we haven't spoken about today that you think is important as we examine, first of all, what it is that NARF does and anything else that you think is important when uh, anybody that's considering uh, any aspect of any aspect of uh, Native American life in, in this country, obviously, uh, should consider? Uh, well, just to, uh, uh, as I've said, uh, understand that uh, that we're still here as Native American people and that uh, uh, we're uh, 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 organized through 574 sovereign tribes and that the American system of government in this country consists of the federal government, the state governments, and the tribal governments, mm -hmm. and the tribal governments and their authority needs to be respected and understood. You know, it's funny. You, you said you said this several times. We're still here. Yes. Um, I, I'm uh, under the impression everyone knows that. I mean, there are at least it depends on the state you're in, of course. But there are, uh, you know, an awful lot of uh, Indian presence in Florida, where I am, where I grew up in Iowa, certainly in the Dakotas, really throughout the whole country, but I, I think it's parts of it I think, very heavily Native American. And I, I'm I'm surprised to hear you say that you think that people are unaware that you exist. No, I don't it's, think that's it. And I'll let the Mr. Echohawk explain, but I think it's rhetorical. Well, it's it's uh, uh, an ongoing issue. It, it's getting better. I, I remember when I first started uh, uh, my law practice, I, I would uh, be some places and, uh, and I would have people say to me, you, you look like an Indian. Are, are you an Indian? And yeah, I didn't know you. You people were still around. So it's not rhetorical. Really? I used to hear it myself. I'll be darned. Oh, I never, today, today, never occurred to me. I, today, I still have Indian people tell me that, that, that same story. Uh -huh. So and it, it, differs, it differs in different parts of the country, but there's still some people who don't understand that. That is amazing. That is really incredible. That's the that's the headline of the that is whole podcast. So, so wait, but, maybe maybe we but can. The main thing, but the main thing in that is they uh, have to understand that we are sovereign nations. Sovereignty. Yeah, and you know, but the the, what, the I hate to say this because uh, <laughs> a lot of people understand it's a sovereign nation because. On many of the Indian properties, they built casinos, which are, for example, in Florida, where I am, 
casinos are illegal, except <clears throat> the biggest casino around here is the Seminole Hard Rock Cafe because it is on Indian land and it is operated by the Seminole tribe. And uh, it's extremely popular here. So I think there's a I think in people's minds, there's a connection that say, oh, yes, well, that must be on Indian land because they have a casino. I, I don't know how that strikes you. Does that strike you as as offensive or just uh, uh, the way it is? No, they just need to understand that uh, uh, tribes are governments and just like uh, state governments, mm -hmm. uh, tribal governments can generate governmental revenues through uh, through gaming. Mm -hmm. And again, it's a sovereignty issue. And they need to understand the reason we do that is because we're sovereign, just like the states. Yeah. And the states could do that if they wanted to, and some of them do, some of them don't. Mm -hmm. Some tribes do, some tribes don't. Mr. Echo Hawk, uh, how can we help? How can America help? Um, how can the average person help with what it is that uh, your community is trying to achieve? Well, by coming to uh, understand us and our issues and uh, uh, supporting us as we uh, move forward to uh, uh, protect our sovereignty and protect our rights. But JJ, your, your question then leads me into another one. Do you mm -hmm. consider yourself to be an American, a United States citizen? Yes, I'm a citizen of the United States of America, a citizen of the state of Colorado, and a citizen of the Pawnee Nation of Oklahoma. I have I see. three citizenships. Most people just have two, but if you're an <laughs> American, you have three citizenships. Yeah, that's interesting. Very interesting. What is the objective? What is the function of your organization? Well, we uh, are... Uh, the uh, National Native American Legal Defense Fund, we provide legal advice and representation to our tribes and native organizations and individuals across the country in the uh, cases uh, of most importance, whether they can afford to pay or not. Since we're the poorest of the poor, uh, we have uh, mostly clients who cannot pay, but uh, because of our legal representation, they get their advice and representation that's needed, and it's uh, made a huge difference in this country as we've asserted those rights successfully. One of the things that really occurs to me that's a big problem, and I need to figure out if this is legitimate or not, um, and, and by legitimate I mean I need to hear you tell me what your view on this is. We hear that suicide, alcoholism, uh, and other maladies are sort of really taking a huge toll on Native American populations. Is that a fair statement? Uh, yes, we still have those uh, issues in, in many of our, our tribal communities. And uh, again, like I say, we're still kind of the, the poorest of the poor. So uh, we still have a lot of uh, poverty in our communities. And oftentimes uh, it you know it impacts uh, people in individual ways that lead to the situations that you just mentioned. What's uh, is, is, is there anything that the how should that be addressed? Is this a government thing, something the federal government should be involved in, or how, how are you handling that as a, as a community? Well, uh, of course, nationally, uh, you know, tribes advocate for uh, uh, federal support uh, fulfilling the treaties to make sure that we have all the uh, necessary uh, uh, health facilities, education uh, opportunities, uh, economic opportunities, and, uh, you know, we're always advocating for that at, at a national tribal level, but... Uh, since our numbers aren't that great, we don't have that much political influence in getting the necessary funding to carry out all of these uh, federal responsibilities under this trust responsibility. It's always been difficult. 
It continues to be difficult, but it's gradually getting better. But we need everybody's help to make sure the federal government lives up to its responsibilities to assist us. Mr. Eckhock, it's been uh, really interesting and um, uh, very informational for me, at least. I, I think for JJ as well. And uh, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on. This is really a different twist on this. We've done 40 some of these podcasts, and this is completely different from anything we've ever done. So thank you so much. Well, I'm, like I said, I'm very pleased to do it. And uh, uh, our uh, uh, Native American issues are different from the issues of other minorities in this country. And uh, we've had the opportunity to talk about that today. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you again for inviting me. You're listening to Colors. My name is Sara Kamali. I'm a first-generation American whose parents were born in Afghanistan. I'm currently on Chumash land in California. Race is a sociopolitical construct that has been wielded as a tool of oppression and power. The term I prefer for race is skin color, and the term I use instead of racism is skin color oppression, because both of these terms point to the fact that superficial differences are exploited when discussing race and racism. In the United States, the notion that the white race is inherently biologically and culturally superior has justified centuries of denying human beings the same dignity, rights, and opportunities of their white counterparts. Examples include the enslavement of black people and the genocide of indigenous Americans to the xenophobic violence targeting many communities of color, including Asians, Latinos, and religious communities like Jews, Muslims, and Sikhs. This is despite the fact that whiteness itself is a fluid category that has changed over time. Race, or the categorizing of people by physical features like skin color, is also the underlying foundation of white supremacy, which is justified by a pseudoscience called eugenics, which really came to the fore in the 1800s. The false concept of race and the pseudoscience of eugenics have both been leveraged by white nationalists in Europe, Australasia, and North America, particularly the United States, to demand a white ethnostate oftentimes through terror. Ultimately, the concept of race is a fallacy because we are all one race, the human race. This is Colors, a dialogue on race in America. Mr. Echo Hawk made me think a lot about things we take for granted. Uh, I started looking around the house to see if there were things that I had named after Native Americans, and I I couldn't find anything that was. But I do remember having some products in the past. I've never owned the Jeep Cherokee um, and certainly have um, not been a fan of organizations, teams using Native American names. Yeah, Um, it it, it is interesting. I know a bit more about the uh, uh, Seminole situation in Florida than um, than I was saying when we talked to him. Um, and that is that apparently the Seminoles have are happy with the fact that the Florida State is the Seminoles. They're OK with it. Yeah, they and have an agreement what, with them. Yes, they get it. They get an agreement with them. And, and obviously with the uh, the Hard Rock Casino the, is which is Seminole Hard Rock Casino. So I think, you know, his point was, again, he's a very good lawyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, his point was, it's not up to me to say that it's up to the individual tribes to decide 
is this word offensive to you? And if it is, because apparently Cherokee has objected to Jeep and Jeep is considering changing the name. Um, but, you know, some some of the uh, uh, tribes are not offended and others are. And so if they're OK with it, then everybody's happy. Well, that's, you know, again, he was saying he was saying what he knew. He's been executive director of NARF since 1977. So nobody knows better um, in that particular position uh, about how things have gone and the history and where they're going than he. And uh, he said it right. You know, it's up to the tribes. It's up to the, the it's it's sovereign. So they have to have the ability to make that choice themselves. I'd like to do something just a little bit different here. You know, one of the rules you learn when you do radios, you can't show pictures on the radio. And probably the same thing is true with an audio podcast. Except <laughs> that's what we're going to do right now. Unless you can figure uh, out another way to show it. <laughs> yeah, well, I've got to wait. We're not going to use the audio to see it, but I'll, I'll get your reaction to it. So I'm going to send you a photograph here on your uh, on your cell phone. All right. um, and it's me wearing a T-shirt. So I'd like you to look at the T-shirt. Tell me what you think of it. And then I'll tell you where I got it. And then I want to plug an organization. So I'm sending it to you right now. And if the miracle of uh, cell phones works, you should have it momentarily. Oh, well, I got it. Okay, can you read to the audience what it says? Make a friend that doesn't look like you. You might change the world. And there's an image of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Bruce Lee. Uh, I don't know who the who whether it's Bruce Lee or not. Yeah, that makes sense. That is, probably is who it is. But it is for sure Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on the uh, left of the T-shirt. And make a friend that doesn't look like you, you might change the world. And that's, those are his words underneath. And I just think that's so fitting for what we do. And that's a matter of, you know, maybe the way you make, you change the world is, is by making friendship with people that don't look like you. And I got this by making a donation to the Skyhook Foundation. And I don't want to give all the website stuff. If people are interested, they can Google and find Skyhook Foundation. Essentially, it's it's uh, in Los Angeles. It's a charity in Los Angeles to um, um, build schools, to build playgrounds, to uh, in uh, find um, you know clubs and stuff like that for uh, predominantly black kids in poor neighborhoods to be able to get together. And it's a charity that he, you know that Kareem started. And it's called the Skyhook Foundation. So I got the T-shirt and then with it came a whole package of information about it. And after reading that, then I sent him another donation. So uh, I just love that. I think that's a wonderful T-shirt. And I thought, you know, I got this. I said, you know what? This is perfect <laughs> to do, even if it's an audio podcast. So yeah. if you'd like one of these, I don't make any money off this, folks, uh, but it's very cool looking because you see there's Kareem and then it's got in, in uh, yellow or gold. Yeah. Make a friend that doesn't and look is, like you, you might change the world. Yeah, and it is Bruce Lee because I don't know if you remember this, but they actually made a movie together. Oh, okay. And Bruce Lee and, in fact, um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was and probably pretty still is pretty proficient in the martial arts but they made a movie together it was called the game of death and it was filmed in 1972 and that by the way in case you didn't know was the last film that bruce lee starred in in fact he died during the making of that film uh and that 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 image that you just sent me is from uh you know from one of those um behind the scenes shots from the movie yeah well, it's I, I just like the T-shirt a lot, and I think I, I love the message. So 
Yeah. Um, again, Google Skyhook Foundation. Read, make your decision on yourself. I, but I just, I like it, and I think it's uh, it's the message that we try to send every week on these podcasts. What he said, folks. Yeah. I'm JJ Green, and I'm black, and I'm Chris Core, and I'm white, and this is Colors. Coming up in our next episode of Colors. Evanston, Illinois, has become the first city in the country to approve reparations for descendants of slavery. But hold on. I cannot support and I did not support the resolution that was in front of us on Monday night, which was a housing plan that we had called reparations. Cicely Fleming is an alderman on the city council, which voted eight to one in favor. Her vote, the lone one against. Part of my issue with that was that uh, the money does not transfer to the to the black family or the black black individual who faced the harm, you know, redlining and housing discrimination. Her concern is that the money would be given to organizations that caused the harm. Why are we then going to, you know, give cash to banks and mortgage lenders who, you know, I would say current day are still active in that practice, right? That's coming up in our next episode of Colors. If you would like to contact us, we'd appreciate any suggestions for guests, uh, topic ideas, um, criticism you have of the program of the podcast, you can write to us at the colors podcast at gmail.com. That's it for this program. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate that. We want to say thank you to some people Jim Clapper, Gretchen Soren, Jamie Stockwell, Joe Detrani, Peggy Byard, Angeli Chong, Sasha Soyon, Albert Shimbakuro, Karen Hicks, Marvin Worthy. Hillary Howard, Mike Jakaitis, Dimitri Sotis, Julia Ziegler, Joel Oxley, Katie Musselman, Ron Pemberton, Jess Seinflug, Marta Moran, the Pawnee community. We send a special shout out to all of those people who've lost loved ones to COVID-19, other illnesses, violence, accidents, or just the natural cause of life. And for the music, we thank Jesse Gallagher, Cosmic, and Offshane. And most of all, again, thank you for listening. And remember, just keep talking to each other. And just as important, keep listening to each other. You can subscribe to Colors on Apple, Spotify, Podcast One, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Colors, a dialogue on race in America.